Welcome to Busy Gamer Nation. My name is George Masri. I am one of the team that's launching the game Chromancer, where the started hair is the name of our company. We're an indie company here at PAX, launching a Kickstarter and putting an online card game together. The Kickstarter is live right now. We are live through September 18th. The history is pretty simple. We're a lifelong card game player. We've competed internationally in a lot of these games. We started them in the mid-90s when they came about. And this is not a company that was founded to create a company. It was actually the reverse. We created this game seven years ago to play. And gradually over that time, the game mechanics have improved and perfected. And we finally got to the point where we realized we should launch it. And Kickstarter is a means to do that and pay for the art and so forth left to do is just put the art and the UI in the game, and that's why on September 1st I'm making the statement that we're launching as soon as December, assuming a successful kickstart. We have the game design, we have the technology behind it, and so forth. And for that reason also we're, unlike many projects, allowing people to playtest our game during the kickstarter. We do have alpha playtests that go on. They're not completely open at the moment. One has to buffer the incredible masses of the public, especially when one doesn't quite have a great-looking game pre-art in it. But it's going pretty well. I think people are enjoying the mechanics and trying something new. Tell me about this game and how, how does it fit into the CCG universe? Oh, great question. Well, uh, look, I mean, we're guys that love CCGs. We play all of them. We've kickstarted all of them. We're going to be addicted to all of them. And as people that are really familiar with card games, we do love them, but we do find a lot of the time that when we play a new game, it feels a lot like magic. It has all very similar mechanics and that kind of puts you in a position where you feel like the strategy is something you've already thought about and you already know so we wanted something really new really different not magic plus a mechanic but something that works totally differently and that's what this game is to the extent that your instincts as a card player will often make you lose the game before you figure out the strategy here and in a very brief nutshell the reason it's so different is because the target of the game is not to knock your opponent's life to zero the target of the game is to disable your opponent from playing the game by literally taking out of play his deck his discard pile and his pool of resources, which are the structures through which most people play a card game. And as you do that during the course of the game, it changes the way he has to play. So if you knock out his bank, for example, he can't save resources from turn to turn. If you knock out his deck, he can't draw for the rest of the game. And that actually ends up affecting a lot of things in our game, including deck building. You're going to have to come up with a deck that enables you to keep playing the game without automatically losing just because you can't draw cards and so forth. And of course, our card design, which we've come up with over some years, supports that a lot, whether it's an undead creature that will emerge from the graveyard directly, the discard pile, into play, so that if my opponent is milling my deck into my discard pile, it's an advantage for me, and so on and so on and so on. So is there like an extra layer of strategy involved? Absolutely. There's sort of what you might call meta strategy. We refer to it as adaptive strategy, which is that you can't come to a game simply with your own deck strategy and expect to win. You have to come to a game ready to react to what your opponent's trying to do to you. And at the same time, it's a little bit like poker in the sense that what your opponent is doing is probably more important than what you have in your hand. You need to figure out what his weak point is in his game and then effectively be able to disable him as quickly as possible. Is there any bluffing involved? There is a lot of bluffing involved. One of my favorite things to do in this game is to use a dual-colored deck that includes the black color, which plays invisibly to the opponent. So what I end up doing a lot of the time is I'll put a visible army in front of one of his targets. He'll move all his defenses over, and then, of course, on the next turn, my invisible group of armies right next to his weak spot become visible and attack him. That's something you can only do online, incidentally, and we've really enjoyed, as tabletop card gamers, moving to the online space and incorporating some of these features you couldn't otherwise do. And, hey, it's been seven years of design. I think we've come up with a whole bunch of mechanics that are really fun. Tell me a little bit about the story. Well, you know, we are a very probably rare example of an indie company that launched its original five members 
one of whom was actually and is a professional fantasy writer, and he has spent a lot of time lining up the lore uh, for our game to match the game mechanics, and it's it's really been fantastic. And we do release short stories based on our game world regularly on our website. We're very actively involved in creating this game world, and what it is is a chromancer is actually sort of a puppet master. He's going to control these forces of nature that exist in the rifts in the chromancer's world, and essentially control these creatures, tell them to move around, and fight over a space that they're trying to exert dominance over in order to win that space against another chromancer. It's set in sort of a post-apocalyptic world, almost, in the fantasy setting, where the world is just covered in rifts of energy, and at the same time, those rifts provide sources of energy that are being tapped by the society of chromancers. So the chromancers are basically like mercenaries that are going out into the wilderness and fighting each other to mine these energy sources. That's kind of the setting of our game. The actual game plays as a card game insofar as that the chromancers use cards to concentrate their magical thoughts into summoning creatures. So our fantasy, if you will, really parallels the actual card game very, very well. You're actually playing a fantasy player who is using cards in a fantasy world, in other words. You mentioned there's multiplayer. Is there a single-player campaign as well? Or? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, we are a dual-style game, so naturally it lends itself to being a two-player game where you're playing PvP, but we are very keen on having an AI version of the game where you can play PvE, whether it's for deck testing or whether it's because you prefer playing offline. Or even learning the game. Or just learning the game, tutorials and so forth, that's right. And it goes in the other direction too, even though it sets up as a two-player game, we want to have multiplayer, whether that's through drafting or tournaments or other types of emergent gameplay. One of the things that really matter to us as card players who have been on the receiving end, if you will, of games that we feel are really good but don't quite have the UI or the options we want is we're trying to offer a lot of things that are missing in other games. And one of those things is just the ability for emergent gameplay. Coming up with your own rule sets. Coming up with your own ways to play the game. Of course, there is a standard rule set for ranked play, but anytime you start a game of Chromancer, there will be all of the rules of the game that pop up in front of you, and you can toggle any of them or adjust any of them so that you can play custom games. Wow. And we're really hoping that the player base will come up with a rule set that they enjoy playing with, and then we can end up enforcing different versions of the game for their benefit. So you can maybe have different rule sets that you combine to come up with your own variants. Absolutely, and that's very easy to manage, actually, as an online company. That's you know one of the advantages we'll have. Uh, we'll be able to have different tournaments formats and different drafting formats and, and so on and so on. Will you be able to like, download a set of rules and say, I just want to use the set or that set? Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Customization on that level is a huge advantage of being online, and it kind of is a head-scratcher why some online companies in general continue to enforce these rigid rules that exist in the physical world. That's kind of the whole reason you go online is to get rid of them. Rule sets is an example. Another great example is deck building. I mean, we don't understand why there are some games that refuse to let you use the same card in two different decks. I mean, we're online. I don't want to have to shuffle my cards every time I play a new game. Our deck building system is actually really, really something we're passionate about. We have a public archive on our website available to everyone, even people not logged into our website, what we call the Arcanum. And it is a place where anybody can list a deck, a deck list that they have, kind of a loadout for a deck, if you will. And those decks can be voted up or down by the community. They can be organized by win rates and so on. And then you can literally get that deck into your personal account just by clicking on the icon next to the deck. It gets copied to your account, and with just a few mouse clicks, you can filter your collection to see how many of the cards you need. You can filter the marketplace to see what is the cheapest price I can currently pay to complete this deck, and so on and so on. Those are actually not difficult in any way to implement. It's just a matter of designing it properly, thinking ahead of time that if players might want to do this. So do you pay for the decks? or? Well, we distribute very much like a physical card game, that is through booster packs and starter decks and so forth, but our actual monetary exchange is on online currency, which is something that players can grind for. 
So we are actually a free-to-play game. Players can earn every card in the game by playing the game. And that's coupled with an absolutely unfettered, completely free trading economy. You can trade anything to anyone for whatever you want. That goes way beyond just cards and packs of cards and online currency. It includes things like avatar accessories. It includes things like tickets to tournaments, possibly tickets to events that you create yourself as a player and design the rules for. And it will eventually extend into a place that we want to go with emergent gameplay, such that, for example, a player might write a newsletter about the state of our economy and sell subscriptions of that to other players, having us enforce the transaction. They say it's an online game. What does that mean exactly? Well, it's a browser-based game, so it can be played in anything that has a browser-based capability. It's built in JavaScript as opposed to Flash. It will run on literally anything, whether it's a phone or a tablet or a computer. Uh, It's very lightweight, very fast, and being online implies a lot of things that are good, and because we're very adamant about it, it's not going to imply a lot of things are lost from the physical card game. So is this uh, playing in a browser right now, or is there a client as well? Well, what we're looking at here is, yes, playing in a browser. There's a tablet out that somebody else is playing against this particular browser on. And, yeah, it can, again, be played in any browser. So that's any computer, tablet, or phone. So like Safari on the iPad? or Absolutely, yeah. In fact, the only thing we don't currently support is, I think, IE5. So I hope nobody's still using IE5. But uh, we may well support that eventually if there's a, a need for it. But it seems to be very, very easy for most people to get online. So what am I looking at here? You have your side of the board next to you and the opponent's side of the board across from him. Basically, we drive all of the gameplay from the game board itself. So rather than clicking on a card in your hand and then clicking it where you want it to go on the game board, which tends to take longer, especially in a strategy game, you drive all the play just by clicking inside of the game board. So you're going to right-hand mouse click, or in the case of a tablet, click through a little what we call a Zelda wheel icon uh, to get to the action that you want to perform, which changes your mouse pointer, and then you click on the thing you want to do it to. So that would go you know, anywhere from a creature attacking something else all the way to me playing a card out of my hand so, by so playing. So it's focused on the action you want to take, not the card you want to play? That's exactly right. And because we're set, again, in a world where you are the puppet master as a chromancer, you are not, for example, like in a game like Magic, casting a spell yourself. You are having a creature cast that spell. So if I'm holding a fireball in my hand and I have a red creature on my field that I want to use that fireball, the path that I would use in order to have him do that is click on the creature and select with my mouse pointer fireball, which will automatically come up because it knows I have that in my hand, and then choose a target for that creature to cast a fireball. It ends up playing uh, relatively quickly, so you can have a deep strategy game that plays in 10 to 15 minutes, and that was very important for us. That sounds great for busy gamers. It really does, yeah, and we don't actually have a synchronous play, and that makes it even more important. So, we're, you know, we're not a game where you take a turn and then go offline and your opponent takes a turn. We're a game that happens when it happens, and that implies a lot of good things, too. It means that, a little bit more like a magic, you can pause the action anytime your opponent's doing something you can respond to. A little clock icon appears in your mouse pointer, you just click anywhere, and then you can respond to it by casting a spell or dodging with a creature or augmenting an attack or whatever it might be. So I know when I tried to learn magic, there are all these little cooling-off periods and, you know, all these different phases you have to go through for each turn. Right, those are card mechanics. It seems like this is a little more action-y, a little more twitch. Our game is very, very, very open-ended. In other words, there are very few rules that you have to abide by, and you can pretty much do anything else you want. It is a turn-based game. You do switch turns with your opponent. But turns are really like initiative. Turns are when you're going to declare attacks. Other than that, you can pretty much do anything on either person's turn. 
So that includes things like drawing cards, discarding cards, burning cards from your hand, which means sacrificing them entirely to get free money, dodging with creatures, moving with creatures, building things, and so on and so on. And so it, it makes for a game in which you are playing almost in real time, and the strategy is very fast as a result. But it seems like an action game that happens to draw on a card deck as opposed to a card game where you have to learn all these card Yes, it, it, it is a little bit of an action game in that sense, but the funny thing is that I would argue that we play more like a card game than a lot of the RPG-esque, if you will, card games that are coming out these days, especially online, because deck building is so important in our game. Given the strategy that I've laid out earlier, it matters critically for you to be able to build a deck that is able to adapt to your opponent's strategy, whether that means I have to have a deck that won't automatically lose because he's locked down one of my game abilities, like drawing cards or saving resources, or whether it means that I recognize early in the game that my opponent relies critically on one of those three things and I want to disable him as quickly as possible. I need to have a deck that can do any of those things, uh, ideally. If I come to, to a game with a single deck strategy, I might win if I'm lucky, but I probably will lose. Can you speak a little bit about the learning curve? How hard is it to pick up and learn this game? Well, that's a, that's a great point. I think that the learning curve is probably very, very long in the sense that you will spend a long time becoming an expert in this well, game. Obviously, to master it. To, to master to it. It's it very, very deep. To pick it up is really quite simple because the concept of the game is very simple. You have a fairly limited area in which you can put things, and then once you put them there, they do what you expect them to do. If it's a structure, it will sit where it is and it will do what it says it does. If it's a creature, you can move it around and attack things with it. It's pretty simple to understand, and I think that most of the people who have come to our playtest after a five-minute explanation, they've been able to get right into the game. That will actually get better as our UI gets better. We do currently have a couple of things that are maybe not obvious when the opponent is reacting to something. The UI doesn't quite tell you as clearly as it should. But, of course, that's why we're in Kickstarter and improving literally every day. We actually have people who have come back two days into PAX and said, oh, look, this is already better. So uh, that's how it goes when you have a fast-paced company, I suppose. The one other thing to mention about being online that really is lost in, I think, virtually every other game I've seen that we're adamant on not losing is the collectability of a physical card game. And we handle that in a very simple but very important and, I think, future-looking way. And that is that we deal strictly in persistent virtual goods. What that means is that every card in our system is part of a digital print run that has a serial number and happens exactly once. It's like a physical card. So that can be traded in our system, bought and sold, but it can't be destroyed or duplicated. And just for example, all of the initial cards that we're giving out in our alpha print run, whether it's here at PAX Prime or in other contexts, they're part of our alpha playset. So people will literally be acquiring the earliest packs with the earliest card design and earliest card art and maybe two years down the line, if they haven't opened that pack yet, they'll have something really valuable to trade back into the system. In that sense, we are protecting the investment of time and money of our players and our, and our collectors. We don't want to have a game where you spend hours and hours of your time or a little bit of your money to acquire something rare, and then next week we've released 10,000 of them and it sort of invalidates your investment. And let's also be clear that that doesn't mean we're going to screw with the integrity of the game. We, we want to also have later print runs of the same cards with different designs so that people who care about the mechanics of the game will still have access to what they need to to build a deck. I, I think it's important and I think it's the way of the future. We're just not waiting for the future to get here. So every card in the game is unique? Every card is unique. It has a serial number. It's uh, unique to the extent that you can inspect it. It's public information for you to inspect any card in our system and have an absolutely complete ownership history. It will tell you every player who's owned it from what time to what time, how it exchanged hands, whether it was a trade or an ante in a tournament or so forth. 
and you can actually trace things that way. That actually doubles as a little bit of a safety mechanism for us because we intend to have a lot of value in our player marketplace through this method, you know, where some cards are really valuable because they're rare. It doubles a little bit as a counter-hacking and counter-cheating mechanism for us because it will be easy for players and us to trace the origin of cards and the exchanges of cards. We're hoping to engender a little bit of a, like an eBay mentality culture, if you will, amongst our players where you're only going to want to make valuable trades with accredited traders and so forth. And it's going to be very black on white that you should not be trading from people who are trying to scam you and cheat the system. That's easy for me to say. It's very, very hard to implement something like that. But we're very, very keen to be careful and have a lot of public information and be aware of this problem and fight it as much as we can. So that right now people are in the community are playing this game? Well, we are pre-launch, obviously, and all of our playtests are closed right now, which means that people have to basically ask us for access, and we have hours at a time where we allow people on. But there are many people who have tried the game. It is completely functional. It just doesn't have the art or the UI we want in it yet, so it's a little bit clunky. All the mechanics are there, which is why people are enjoying it. We do have a good number of cards enabled. We only have two of our 12 colors enabled. It's a vast game, but that's good enough for playtests. We are playtesting currently in September, and we'll be playtesting all the way through the end of our Kickstarter and on through the launch of the game this winter. So people want in, the best way to do that is support the Kickstarter, right? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, if you pledge your Kickstarter, you're a backer, and we will pretty much let you in when you want, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, as a reward for being a Kickstarter backer. But, you know, we're very happy to let uh, anybody who comes to our website and wants to create an account, we're happy to let them into playtest. It's very easy. You just dr- drop us a forum post or an email and say, hey, I'd like in. There's tons of information out there on us, who we are, how our game is going, all, all the things you need to know, including up-to-date information about the latest playtest and so forth. Really? There it is. Hi everybody, I'm George. And I'm Matt. And we're here to tell you about a great new game called Chromancer. Find show notes, music credits, and other details at BusyGamerNation.com, WAC Podcast.